This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This week, we're offering four conversations from episode 52, predicting long-term outcomes using MRL lithography. The conversation begins with Alina Allen, Ian Rowe, and Stephen Harrison focusing on the practical roadblocks and shifting to an MRE-based endpoint. The group agrees that one major challenge is the desire to link all results to the fibrosis stage. As Alina points out, liver stiffness can happen for more reasons than a simple increase in fibrosis levels. Ian then goes on to suggest a potential trial design for a faster, more targeted trial to address this issue. Stephen agrees that elements of this make sense, but suggests that other elements may be challenging. However, we go forward. However, Stephen notes in the end, it can be done, it needs to be done, and the group agrees the work that Mayo Clinic has done and Alina is describing moves us much further down this path. Finally, Ian and Alina discuss the next steps for each of their clinical programs. This paper is one more key building block in the case for moving beyond biopsy as an endpoint measure in drug development and patient management. It's worth a serious listen. So sit back, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. Stephen Harrison. If you were stepping back and saying, where are we at today relative to where we want to go? There's a lot of traction we can make with MR elastography in the field of NASH and in the field of liver disease in general. But I would say the biggest challenge we have in NASH drug development is the liver biopsy. And until we can sort out the variability, whether that's sampling variability, intra-intra-observer variability, regression to the mean, you name it, we're going to need to look very hard at how we can quickly develop the data around certain non-invasive tests like MRE to evaluate these three contexts of use, the diagnosis of the at-risk patient, monitoring therapeutic efficacy, and long-term outcomes. And I would say that the data that Mayo and Alina and others are generating have have really helped us on the diagnosis of the at-risk NASH patient and, and prediction of outcomes. Where I think we need to do a little more work is on monitoring therapeutic efficacy in the setting of NASH with specific drugs. And it's been a little unfortunate that the phase three trials that have gone already did not include MR technology to evaluate that to any significant extent. Resmetarome has that data, so that will be very informative to be able to link liver biopsy to MR elastography, to MRI PDFF, and to some extent the InFibroscan as well, and our wet biomarkers. I, uh, I would encourage as many pharma companies as possible to include all of these or as many of these NITs as you can in your paired liver biopsy phase two work, because that will also be very helpful. What I don't know is, is MRE like MRI PDFF, I don't think it is, in the sense that it's mechanical specific. In other words, not all drugs lower MRI PDFF, but they still have a potential to impact histopathology. Do all drugs impact MR elastography the same way? I think that's an unknown question. Alina Allen. Absolutely. And what the information that the liver stiffness is, is more than we can actually anchor it to one piece of that specific histopathology that we try to. We try to anchor it so much on fibrosis, but it gives us more than just that. The liver is stiff because of inflammation, because of congestion, different, different things, right? So I think there will be a gray zone if we do try to implement MR 
MRE in the clinical trial area where we will make all efforts to try to anchor it to the F stage. So let's say we, we do a clinical trial and at whatever number of weeks, there's improvement in liver stiffness, but there's no change in fibrosis stage. F3 stays F3. Does that truly mean that there's no improvement in the drug? We won't know for as long as we're going to try to anchor it to all the little boxes we still have now. So there's going to be a learning experience and a little bit of wiggle room to allow for maybe more time to follow these people until we try to disentangle this liver stiffness story and message from still the little categories we use now. You mentioned the collagen. There's hopefully other parameters in the AI space, a path, but we need to try to resist the urge of anchoring everything to the F stage. That's what I think will be the, the major learning experience. Well, look, I know we're getting close to time. Ian, you have a comment you want to make, and I want to circle back and maybe just give Alina a, a few minutes to touch on 3D MRE and where she sees the future of that. Ian Rowe. So I guess a couple of comments, really. I think that point about not trying to anchor ourselves to a fibrosis stage is really important. There is an increasing and wealth now of observational data related to outcome prediction for elastography, both using ultrasound and using MR, as we've just heard. And that combined with measures of liver function will allow us to identify populations of patients who are going to decompensate at a clinically evident rate. And that is better than a biopsy that shows cirrhosis and not really considering anything else. It's probably better than the perhaps even greater variability there is in measuring HVPG, which others have tried. My view is that this would allow us, and I can hear Naeem and Marsden shouting at the podcast saying, well, we could just forget the biopsy altogether and pick that population who is going to progress to an outcome quickly and do trials in that group in a sort of secondary prevention type design like the cardiologist did in the beginning to show that the drugs work. And I don't know whether you could persuade the regulators to do that in parallel with a sort of non-serotic biopsy-based biopsy-controlled study the way that they were sort of advocating at the webinar in January to say, look, here's an outcome study based on non-invasive tests and here's a biopsy-controlled study in, in the non-serotic population. Because now we know which patients will decompensate. We can select them using non-invasive tests and we can select them at, at high probability and we've got treatments that we could use. I think the big challenge is whether we can just get away from the biopsy altogether. The challenge with that is you want to pick a population at baseline that is likely to progress relatively quickly. But you also want to pick a population at baseline that still has a chance to respond to your drug. And so there's a sweet spot there. If you pick patients that are too advanced, it's unlikely in my mind that we're going to be able to, in a relatively short period of time, back that patient up quick enough to prevent them from progressing. On the other hand, if we pick too mild of a cirrhotic population, we might be able to impact their disease natural history and even histopathologically show improvement, but the placebo group isn't going to progress over a short period of time to decompensation either. So this is this is the conundrum. It, I don't know if we're going to be able to get away without some longer-term trials, whether it's histology or whether it's an NIT. Either somebody's going to get really lucky with picking the right patient population, or we're going to enroll a volume of patients collectively over a longer period of time, and then we'll tease apart the right numbers. It's going to be challenging one way or the other, but it can be done. I think it needs to be done. And the work that Alina and her group at Mayo are certainly causing all of us to think about it and how we can begin to incorporate it into our drug development platform. Yes, Stephen, that makes great sense to me. And as I was listening to this conversation, I've been thinking about how long the Framingham study had to run before people started believing what it had to say about heart disease. And that all looks crystal clear in hindsight, but it took a couple of decades before people 
we're willing to trust that data to anywhere near what it's worth. We don't necessarily have a couple of decades here, but we need, I think, to impose some kind of discipline on our expectations that as urgent as we need to be, the data is only going to move so far. So we need to be practical about the fastest way to get there, but understanding also that that might not be as fast as some people would like it to be. Let me, let me close uh, as we begin to wrap up. Let me ask Ian and, and Alina this question. Maybe start with Ian. Well, the same question, but maybe Ian respond and Alina. What do you see as the next steps in your work in Leeds or at Mayo to address the concerns that were raised today? So I'll tell you what we're thinking about doing, and that is to, so at the moment we've got a cohort of 3,000 patients that is recruited from two big centres and outcomes are followed through electronic health records, so automatically. And that means that if you could find a way of capturing that data more widely, you could repeat that study in 10,000 patients, tens of thousands of patients. And so what we're intending to do is to try and extend it so that we can look at a much larger data set and in that way then develop scores which will give um, a bit like the bit like the framing and risk calculator a probability of decompensation liver-related death HCC over five to ten years. It'll take a bit of time for that data to mature but that's but that's where we're going because that is the way that we see for patients A to understand their risk of future events but also a way to identify which patients are going to be suitable for therapy based on future risk of events which is much better defined by measures of stiffness and liver function than it is by a biopsy. I don't know that 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 really answers the challenges that have come up but that's the way that I see us heading and and in many ways that's the way I see the field heading. Fair enough that's going to be fantastic when you're able to continue to mine that data and generate that data for us. All right Alina what do you think? My next step in pursuing this line is taking this to the population based level. We've done work in MRE, we've done work to show that we can even predict NASH in the 3D MRE population, we can link this to outcomes, but I have really a good understanding that we cannot apply MRE to the population level. That's just not feasible, just as biopsy is not feasibly applicable to applicable to a large uh, data set. So the next step is to risk stratify. My program is going to be focused on using real-world data that people have from their routine healthcare assessments to risk stratify those who need to be funneled towards these non-invasive tests. That's where the work will be even when we have the drugs. If we want to choose F2s and F3s for, for treatment, how do we select those population from the millions of people, knowing that those with cirrhosis are in the single digit percent, right, two to three percent? How do we find those people who are in the middle? I think that's where the world needs more work. There's great work done from registry databases. We need to do more work at population level because that's where the pool will be once the drugs are available. And that's what we're going to to have to deal with for for the next few decades. People at large who have no idea they have fatty liver disease. So my work will focus on that as next step, knowing that if I identify a subgroup of people who need to be put through these more state-of-the-art non-invasive testing, then some of the battle is is accomplished and identifying those who we do not need to worry about and and separate them. Makes sense. Louise, do you have any closing comments or thoughts before we go to final question? Ian Rowe. I'll tell you what we're thinking about doing, and that is to, so at the moment we've got a cohort of 3,000 patients that is recruited from two big centres and outcomes are followed through electronic health records, so automatically. And that means that if you could find a way of capturing that data more widely, you could repeat that study in 10,000 patients, tens of thousands of patients. And so what we're intending to do is to try and extend it so that we can look at a much larger data set and in that way then develop scores which will give 
give um, a bit like the bit like the framing and risk calculator a probability of decompensation liver related death HCC over five to ten years it'll take a bit of time for that data to mature but that's but that's where we're going because that is the way that we see for patients a to understand their risk of future events but also a way to identify which patients are going to be suitable for therapy based on future risk of events which is much better defined by measures of stiffness and liver function than it is by a biopsy I don't know that that, that really answers the challenges that have come up but that's the way that I see us heading and and in many ways that's the way I see the field heading fair enough that's going to be fantastic when you're able to continue to mine that data and generate that data for us all right Alina what do you think my next step in pursuing this line is taking this to the population based level we've done work in MRE we've done work to show that we can even predict NASH in the 3D MRE population we can link this to outcomes but I have really a good understanding that we cannot apply MRE to the population level that's just not feasible, just as biopsy is not feasibly applicable to applicable to a large uh, data set. So the next step is to risk stratify. My program is going to be focused on using real world data that people have from their routine healthcare assessments to risk stratify those who need to be funneled towards these non-invasive tests. That's where the work will be even when we have the drugs. If we want to choose F2s and F3s for, for treatment, how do we select those population from the millions of people, knowing that those with cirrhosis are in the single digit percent, right, two to three percent. How do we find those people who are in the middle? I think that's where the world needs more work. There's great work done from registry databases. We need to do more work at population level because that's where the pool will be once the drugs are available. And that's what we're going to to have to deal with for, for the next few decades. People at large who have no idea they have fatty liver disease. So my work will focus on that as next step knowing that if I identify a subgroup of people who need to be put through these more state-of-the-art non-invasive testing, then some of the battle is, is accomplished and identifying those who we do not need to worry about and, and separate them. Makes sense. Louise, do you have any closing comments or thoughts before we go to final question? Louise Campbell. No, I think I agree with everything that's been said. Moving forward, being able to use any liver stiffness to be able to quantify improvement or deterioration is actually a benefit. We all want to move in the right direction and we need to select those populations but we do need to get to the right people funneled in for the right tests like the MRE and the stronger that data becomes the better we're in a position to help the patient portfolios that we've got. Thanks then. Final question to everybody. The one thing we've discussed today that you think will have the greatest impact on treatment of patients say two three years from now. It's an artificial time frame if you want to say I don't know about two or three but I'll tell you about five that's that's final. So we've talked about a lot of stuff today and ultimately it meets the road where it helps where it supports how we treat patients. So let's pick a time frame and go for it. Brave one first. For me, the, the biggest takeaway is this trying to, to step away from the box that histology gives us. That's where the biggest bang for the buck would be, be it MRE or some other way. That's my hope that the clinical trials will, mo- will move towards. Thanks, Alina. Next. So I'd say a very similar thing to Alina, though I think the two to three year time frame is still probably a bit ambitious to get away from biopsy altogether. We're beholden to this ordinal scale construct that is zero to four and we have to forget it. Got better data, we've got better information with MRE, virus scan, we, 
can prognosticate better for patients. Okay, thanks, Ian Louise. Yeah, I think part of what I was listening to, if I got it right, it was the connection that Stephen was making that we use MRE and we use these techniques in as many of the trials as we can because we can show outcomes with MRE data and other non invasive results. The stronger the data becomes for the outcomes, the stronger the argument grows that we don't need biopsy. So adding the best tools that we have available to get the best outcome with Stephen's idea, connecting and getting as many of these in the same areas as possible just gives us stronger and stronger information. Yeah, to me it reminds me of one of those old war movies where you're on the plane and you hear this hoofbeat. It's it's growing louder and louder and louder and next thing you know it's the cavalry coming around the corner and 10,000 horses and the hoofbeats of non-invasive tests, the work that both of you guys, are, Ian and Alina and others are doing, are growing louder and louder and louder. It's just a matter of time before we reach consensus on pivoting away from what we've grown accustomed to, which is the imperfect standard of liver biopsy. But nobody, you know, change is hard. Who wants to be the one that makes that first change? You're either a hero or you're a goat. The more data we have to support the decision, obviously it, it will become easier and easier to make that happen. I think for me, what I take away from this is I see an opportunity. Alina, we're finishing up a paper right now where it's focused on some of the challenges with clinical trial enrollment. And I see an opportunity to add a piece here relative to MRE as a predictor of outcomes where we can begin to add to that hoofbeat and increase the noise around pivoting to a non-invasive test for drug development and for clinical practice looking at outcomes. Okay, thanks, Stephen. Um, I have two thoughts. Number one, Stephen's hero or goat thing. I'm mindful of the idea that in today's language, goat stands for greatest of all time. So maybe you can be the goat or the goat or somewhere in the middle. Second, on a, on a slightly more serious note, I find myself being pulled back to thinking about big data. And big data are places where you've got hundreds of thousands or millions of cases with missing records or missing variables. And the challenge becomes, can you find a way to intuit logic out of the cases you've got, even with the missing records that exist now? The discipline in MedStat is so much greater than it is in, say, marketing stats that that would be infinitely harder to do. But conceptually, it feels like we've got, well, at least the two sources in this meeting and several others, banging on this door that goes, okay, provide meeting to long-term data using data sets that aren't entirely compatible, but may be able to teach us lessons that, that we can integrate in the kind of situation Stephen's talking about and therefore amp up the drumbeat of the footsteps even faster than we would otherwise. I don't know how one brings that together. Statistically, it's an interesting challenge. But if there were a way to do it or a way to conceptualize it, it might actually speed the process considerably. Or I could be dead wrong, by the way, because this isn't what I do for a living. But I will tell our listeners that at least half the half of this group are nodding, maybe because they're being polite, maybe because we agree. But we'll take this up in a future podcast. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next Wednesday, November 3rd, with another episode on an issue of critical importance to drug development and patient treatment in fatty liver diseases. I hope you'll join us then. Until then, stay safe, surf on, see you on the podcast.